This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Kenyonkahage Nation in Chochage, also known as Montreal, Quebec, the original lands of many First Nations, including the Kenyonkahage of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, Huron-Wendat, Abenaki, and Anishinaabe. To learn what land you're on, go to native-land.ca. Pod. I hope you're having a beautiful day. I am very excited for today's episode. I hope you are too. We're going to dive right in head first to this idea of glow ups. Lots of talk about makeover scenes in movies, about internalized beauty standards, the roots of colonialism and white supremacy in these beauty standards the glow up during COVID times, and some more positive aspects of the so-called glow up. So that's a little overview of what we're going to be getting into. Buckle up, get comfy, let's dive in. All right, so basically the glow up is when someone, typically a girl or a woman, undergoes this dramatic transformation for the better, usually having to do with their physical appearance, style, and overall sense of confidence. And it usually involves a change in their weight, usually a loss in weight, starting to wear makeup, getting rid of glasses, getting rid of braces, improving their hair game, and basically just like a really strong emphasis on looking hot. I want to start by talking about makeover scenes in movies and how this is just like kind of the perfect representation of the glow up that we all grew up watching. Basically, the makeover scene is what's selling you the idea that transforming from an ugly duckling into a beautiful swan is what's going to bring you joy and fulfillment in your life. And it gives the other characters in the movie like this big aha moment with the woman who gets the makeover. She takes off those glasses and she brushes her hair and slaps on a tight dress and boom she's freaking cinderella and is suddenly worth 10 times more what she was at the beginning of the movie and this is what's telling you that being pretty is what we should strive for it is the ultimate goal it's what's gonna get you everything you want in life it's what's gonna get you the super hot guy it's gonna give you the right friends the right status it's gonna be everything it's gonna turn your friggin life around I really just want to start this off by talking about some makeover scenes in movies that I either loved or hated and kind of explaining why I either hate or love them. And you might completely disagree with me. The first one I'm going to talk about is Princess Diaries because I fucking lived for this scene. I thought it was just a cinematic masterpiece. And I think it's also one that a lot of us grew up with and really loved and idolized a bit it's a very dramatic transformation it's a very over-the-top kind of scene because before she had super big bushy hair and glasses and kind of carried herself in a way that wasn't very confident and then afterwards she's this whole new girl and she's so beautiful who friggin knew under those glasses and that hair that such a babe existed And so I think that it was just the drama of it that really made it such an iconic scene. There's another makeover scene that I want to talk about that I hate and I (laughs) 
feel so strongly about and it's Sandy from Greece and I love Greece I I okay I hate it in a lot of ways because there's a lot of shit there that is not necessarily the best messages to be sending to young people to anybody for that matter but the Greece makeover is at the end of the movie and Sandy is this like pure innocent blonde girl who has no sexual experience and she just really wants to be with Danny and Danny's this kind of like badass hardcore guy who has lots of experience and so in order to win him over in the end she transforms into the super sexy super hot cat suit woman and she comes out in this frankly super uncomfortable looking but nonetheless iconic look with this black cat suit and heels and a cigarette and her hair is all big the thing here is that like it's completely changing who she is not only on the outside but also on the inside it's just her changing everything for the sake of being with a guy that frankly is not worth anybody's time and that's a really common message for makeover scenes to be conveying in movies is to get yourself made over and look completely different and basically change exactly who you are so that you can get this guy in the end and then it's all worth it because oh my god what a dreamboat and it's honestly just kind of comedic at this point because rewatching Greece. Danny Zuko is not only like the most mediocre man, but he's also a douche. Like he sucks. He has no redeeming qualities other than the fact that he can dance on top of a car. And like, is that even really a quality that we're looking for? I don't know. The real dreamboat of Greece is Frenchie. You can fight me on it, but I will win. Okay, another example, another example that involves Anne Hathaway, The Devil Wears Prada, aka cinematic masterpiece, iconic, wonderful, amazing movie. Love it. Go watch it if you haven't. I'm telling you right now. Click away, go watch The Devil Wears Prada, and then come back. Okay, you're done? You came back? Okay, great. Okay, <laughs> so The Devil Wears Prada makeover scene, so iconic. It's great. Very good montage, and definitely... Not necessarily as bad as other movies, but there's still a lot there that I feel like we could unpack with a lot of stuff about diet culture, consumerism, capitalism, weird status stuff within the fashion industry. I feel like the movie does it in a way, though, where it's like a combination of glamorizing while also critiquing the way that the fashion industry values these things where they value whiteness and thinness and money and status and just general capitalist colonial values. I do think that there's some nuance there, obviously not enough, but I don't think that that's necessarily the point of the movie. I think the point of the movie is just to be entertaining and it really is. I love the movie, but yeah, definitely some interesting undertones to talk about there. Like for example, like diet culture is a huge one in that movie. I think Andy, who's the protagonist, is a size six at the beginning of the movie, which is a super average normal size but she's made to feel as though she's overweight and gross and unattractive because she's above a size four 
And then at some point in the movie, she gets down to a size four or two or something. And it's this thing of congratulations. Oh my God, you're one of us now. And just like the congratulating people for losing weight when they were already a perfectly healthy, perfectly fine size is creepy and weird. And it's nobody's business what size you are or what size you aren't. It's not. But that's also just a very normalized thing within the fashion industry and the model industry, so I guess that's why it was such a big thing in the movie. Something that every movie that involves a makeover scene has in common is that it's telling us that these women are happier, they're living better lives, they're more accepted, they have higher status once they've been made over, once they shift from being unattractive to attractive according to these Eurocentric beauty standards. What's really important to note here is that this type of pretty that these women become is conditional. It's reserved for the people who look a really specific way, who check off most, if not all, the boxes on the pretty girl list. And this list is defined in proximity to whiteness, to thinness, to Eurocentric features. So shiny hair, clear skin, blue eyes, thin figure with just a little bit of an hourglass. And obviously this depends on the time that you're growing up in because beauty standards change, but generally they fall under that same Eurocentric category of being defined in proximity to whiteness. This idea of prettiness is also most often defined based on your ability and your gender. So cisgender people are more likely to fit into this category of pretty and people without disabilities are more likely to fit into this category just like thin people are and white people are because the systems that we're living under exist under colonial power, under white supremacist power, and those powers are what value whiteness over anything else are what value thinness and ability and anything that can give you privilege in this world those are the things that are valued those are the things that are placed at the top of the pyramid and so then we internalize this idea that this is the standard we should be working up towards and these are the little messages that the makeover scenes and movies are telling us is that this is what you should want this is what you should strive for and so we believe it what this does is that it puts people who fit into this category of pretty onto a pedestal while simultaneously devaluing anyone who exists outside of that category who doesn't belong up on that pedestal it devalues people from marginalized groups. So people of color, people with disabilities, trans men and trans women. And this just adds so much more to the already boiling pot of racism and ableism and transphobia that's cooking on the stovetop of Western society. So these standards of beauty that we all internalize and that we see in the media and that we expect of ourselves and of other people these are all rooted in really oppressive ways of understanding value. The other thing about beauty standards is that they're totally aligned with standards of the male gaze, which means, once again, we're catering to the male fantasy. Everything about us is always being dictated by this internalized male fantasy that we use to judge ourselves and also judge others. And this is how we come up with the idea of prettiness and what's hot and what's not. These movies are selling us these beauty standards in a way that convinces us that they are what we need in order to get on the path to happiness. And in a way, these beauty standards kind of are... And hear me out, because like, 
no, beauty does not equal happiness. But because we know that being a specific type of pretty, put that in quotes, means that we're going to be treated differently in the world because of the systems that we live under and the opinions that matter the most and the statuses that are the most valued. Because we know how these things work, we know that we're going to be treated differently simply because we look a certain way. The thing about the concept of the glow up is that it's devaluing the person that you were before you glowed up, whatever that means. If that means you had braces or glasses or bushy hair or you weren't a size two, all of these things are inherently devalued and are seen as less than the person that you are now because now you've lost the weight and now you've gotten contact lenses and you don't have your braces anymore and you got a new hairstyle and you learned how to do makeup and now the person that you are is somehow worth 10 times more than the person that you were and so what this does is it creates a sense of value for things like beauty and thinness and attractiveness while shaming the idea of somebody being anything less than this And that's why before and after photos are kind of a risky business because the before picture is usually, this is usually in the context of somebody trying to lose weight. And so the before photo, somebody will most likely be bigger, they'll be slouched, they'll be probably really sad looking. And then the after photo is in perfect lighting and the person is sucking in their stomach a little bit and they've lost so much weight. And it's instilling the idea that there's something wrong with the before photo, which maybe mentally there was. Mentally, that person might have been way unhappier. But the point is, all we're seeing is a photo of someone who's fat and someone who's thin. And we're seeing the fat as before, the thin as after. And so we construe that with the meaning of before equals bad, after equals good. And so what that does is it tricks our brain into thinking fat is bad, thin is good. And that's just one example. Another example could be hair or braces or glasses or if you had a crooked nose and then you get a nose job and it is more Eurocentric, more like tiny little button nose, it's associating features or things that don't align with Eurocentric beauty standards with the idea of them being bad. It's labeling those things as undesirable, as unwanted, and that you should want to glow up and to work to get towards that after photo. I want to talk a little bit about the context of COVID during the pandemic that we're all living through right now is this weird pressure I feel like that there's been for a while to be a totally transformed person when we come out the other side. There's like this pressure to be working out and eating perfectly well and adhere to what diet culture has been spoon feeding us forever and to be super productive and just all of this pressure that I think so many of us have internalized so much to a point that we're expecting ourselves to be totally transformed by the time that we go back to normal, whatever the fuck that means. The key thing to ask ourselves here is, Are we doing these things because we genuinely want to or because we feel like we should be doing them? Is it from outside pressure, from the media, from all your friends who've started doing daily workout routines or yoga, or is it from you actually wanting to fill your time with these activities? 
Like, are you doing yoga every morning because you want to or because you think that that's what you should be doing because you have so much free time now? I just think that it, it's so hard to tell sometimes if we're doing what we actually want to be doing or if we're just doing things because we think that it's going to make us happy. When really, maybe yoga isn't your thing. Maybe you hate it. Maybe you really like bike riding or maybe you really like dancing or maybe you just don't like working out at all and you just go for walks and that is also completely fine. It's just this weird concept of needing to be active in a really specific way in order to be considered valuable or in order for people to perceive us as productive or as caring about our bodies and what we're doing with them and it's like yes to an extent but also we're living in a fucking pandemic it is fine it is fine if you are not your best self it is fine if you don't have a daily workout routine it is okay to be where you are at right now and that is something that i have really really tried to teach myself because i still struggle with it a lot of that internalized capitalism need to constantly be on that grind and it's just something that I think all of us need to focus on a lot more and to recognize within ourselves, especially in the context of right now, because there's an immense amount of pressure on everybody from ourselves, from the media, from just the general vibe that we need to be becoming fucking maestros right now, that we need to be doing everything we can to become the ultimate version of ourselves. And yes, I do think that this is a really great time to be doing lots of self-reflection and inner work and really connecting to yourself and all of that, but not to a point where you feel like you're killing yourself over just trying to glow up and trying to commit to being that person that other people are expecting you to be. It's okay to be where you're at right now. And despite what the world is telling you, despite what you're telling yourself, your worth is not defined by how productive you're being, by how much weight you've lost, by how many workout routines you do in a week. That does not define how worthy you are. And it's hard right now to fully believe that because we're constantly comparing and seeking validation from people, especially on social media. We're all comparing ourselves and our levels of productivity and what we're doing to the rest of the world. But right now, all that we're seeing of other people's lives are what they're choosing to show. It's all curated. It's all a highlight reel. And each of us do the exact same thing. We're all only sharing the palatable, attractive bits of our lives with people online. We're not posting the mental breakdowns, the days where we struggle to get out of bed, the days where we're feeling our most insecure. These are not the things that we want to share with the world. And rightfully so, the world isn't entitled to know our vulnerability. But this also means that what we're consuming online is all in that category of aesthetic, of palatable, of pretty and we forget that that's not actually what life is. No one's life is how they show it online, especially right now during a pandemic. And it's literally impossible to represent your life and your personality and your identity in the fullest sense online. That's not how social media is designed. It's designed to have you hooked on the aesthetics. It's designed to be a platform where you can pick and choose the bits of your life that you want to share that'll make you feel validated in that moment. But what we can do is to stop using this tool as our main or only source of validation. 
it's hard to get out of that mindset, especially when we're all on our phones so much because of COVID. And when all we're seeing are what other people are doing with their time, all the cool and productive and fun things they're doing, they're baking banana bread, they're going for runs every day, we forget that they're picking and choosing what to share and what not to share, just like we are. Instagram is a highlight reel. It is not a fully dimensional representation of people and their lives and their identities and what they're doing. It's just, it's not fully representative. And so learning to get out of that mindset of comparison and external validation is so key if we're actually gonna just learn to be happy with ourselves. It's also fucking hard. Don't get me wrong. Like, way easier said than done. But I think one of the big things that we can do that took me a while to really figure out and commit to is to stop feeling the need to perform for others. Whether it's performing an identity or persona or style or curated image, when we perform for others and use that as a base for understanding ourselves, our identity, and our image, we're losing touch with who we really are. We're becoming caricatures. And that's often what the goal of the glow up is, is to turn you into something that you might not actually be, but that is palatable and attractive and pretty to the rest of the world. And so you're playing a part, you're performing for people who will tell you, wow, you look so good, or wow, you lost so much weight, or wow, your hair looks great. The goal of the glow up is not about you necessarily. It's about appearing pretty. It's about appearing attractive and glowed up to the rest of the world. The real glow up is about your inner being, your inner self, what's going on inside of you. And maybe having a little bit of a style change or dyeing your hair or getting a piercing will be a small contributor to you coming into yourself and getting more confident. But if getting a piercing or dyeing your hair or getting a new outfit aren't accompanied by commitments that are focused on bettering your inner being and yourself as a person, then all they're doing is giving you that temporary spike in serotonin that makes you feel good for a little bit, but nothing else about you changes. All that's happening is you appear hotter to the rest of the world, and so it's that sense of performativity and catering to that male gaze. There are definitely positive aspects of a so-called glow up. Like it can definitely boost self-confidence. It can help you come to better understand your style or your gender expression. So for example, if you had long hair your whole life and then you chop it all off and dye it bright red, maybe that'll be super, super liberating for you and help you identify with your queerness, for example. But the issue is when the only changes that are being made are those external ones that have to do with your physical appearance. When nothing's actually going on underneath the surface, it's all just about the way that you look to the rest of the world. When you're glowing up from the inside out, it involves lots of self-reflection and recognizing parts of yourself that are maybe holding you back, realizing what habits or traits or mindsets that you have that might be toxic or might be negatively affecting your relationship with yourself or with others or with your confidence. It can be going to therapy, becoming comfortable with your identity, whether it's your sexuality, your gender identity, your spiritual beliefs, just recognizing and getting to know these parts of yourself. And this is a total continual process. It's not just like, oh, I did this over the past few months and now I'm a brand new me and I don't have to do any self-work ever again. Like, no, like we're always evolving and changing and endlessly becoming 
And rather than looking at ourselves as this before and after photo, this before the glow up and after the glow up, we should look at ourselves as a sort of panorama, like an ever-evolving, shape-shifting, growing, changing person that is fully enough and valuable and worthy in every moment, no matter what we look like. So if you were 13 and had braces and glasses and were a little bit awkward, that you is still just as worthy as your 20-year-old self who now doesn't have glasses and got a new wardrobe and got a nose piercing. Just like your 30-year-old self will be and your 40-year-old self and 50 and 60 and 70, all of these selves are more than enough. Our inner worth does not and should not depend on how the rest of the world perceives us. And of course, living in the society that we do can sometimes trick us into thinking otherwise because our individual value is often construed with ideas of palatability and attractiveness and productivity and status. But we have to remember that we're so much more than this. We're so much more than what capitalism is trying to tell us. We're so much more than these stupid colonial beauty standards. We're so much more than what we've been told we are all of our lives. And so own it. Stop thinking of yourself as a before and after photo and start looking at yourself as a fully dimensional human being that is okay, that is worth it, that is amazing and beautiful and wonderful at every stage of life. I feel like I got really cheesy there, but I kind of love it and I hope that it didn't translate too cheesily and that you're feeling really good right now. You know what? I kind of love the idea of it being overly cheesy because I love cheese and I think that you deserve a little bit of cheese in your life. In case you haven't gotten a little bit of a pep talk this week, this is your pep talk. Go fucking kill it. Go kill that exam. Go kill that workout. Go kill that cheeseburger. Whatever it is you're doing today, go kill it because you are awesome. Okay, I'm I'm done. Okay, takeaway for this week, everyone go watch The Devil Wears Prada. That is your takeaway. That's all I'm leaving you with. Go watch The Devil Wears Prada. That's it. (laughs) Thank you, as always, for sticking with me. Happy to have you, and I'll talk to you next time. Go watch The Devil Wears Prada.